everyone and welcome to our podcast All Things Family Law hosted by me Rachel Buckley and my fellow director Donna Hart. Today we are talking to Bob Gregg from Only Dads a not-for-profit social enterprise supporting families through separation. Welcome Bob to our um, our podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Bob you're from an organisation called Only Dads aren't you? That's right. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about that. I will do. Um, Only Dads as an organisation, um, that started about 15 years ago. Um, I'd been through Children Act proceedings at Exeter Court, as it happens. Right. Um, what I thought would be a relatively simple matter turned into a drama. Oh, it lasted over a year. I was in and out of court nine times. It was a completely new thing for me, as I'm sure it is for your listeners. Mm. Um, it was a, felt like an alien environment, not one I was used to. The whole process seemed elongated and took an awful long time to sort anything out. And at the end of that, uh, Rachel and Donna, um, I left court on the last hearing and in inverted commas, I'd won. So I was granted a residence order for my two daughters to live with me, which is what needed to happen. Mm. And on the way home, I was driving out of Exeter and I was thinking to myself, that is a sort of victory, but an enormous hollow victory. Mm -hmm. And things started to seem very black at that point in my life. And that drive home was horrendous because the reality st struck me that what we'd, as a family, we were now broken apart. Mm. I had two upset girls at home. My ex-wife was upset. I was upset. The whole thing seemed fairly bleak. So in a way, things were starting for you, almost. The legal it was. was it was. But what happened then, Rachel? Sorry, I will get to the beginning of Only Dads, but this is part of the history of it, mm. is I returned to work. I was a property professional in those days, working in not far from you, in Southern Hay. And I just started feeling increasingly ill at ease with just about everything going on in my life. And my work started failing. And then I, I, those of your listeners will know when I spell out what a panic attack is. But I physically collapsed in the workplace um, and mentally collapsed. And for... Mm -hmm. Half an hour or so, I I really just didn't know who I was or where I was. And what happened after that? Um, I was sent home and I was on sick leave and I tried to go back to work. And I was having more and more panic attacks. And I was having flashbacks to the waiting room of Exeter Court. I hated that waiting room. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I just, I just wasn't functioning. So 
a friendly GP, my family GP, basically signed me off work. And what I thought would be a few days off turned into an elongated period off work. I was off, off work for a good six to eight months. And it was in that process of recovery, recovering, I should say, I began to look online for support for dads who'd been through a divorce, a separation, the family court system. And I, I tell the story, I, I, I found two things. Fathers for Justice were very active at that point yeah. and looked on their website and none of that seemed relevant or right as it doesn't to this day. The other thing was I found a lone parent website and that had um, a dad's page and on that page was some information that had been written four years previously. And when I say a page, it literally was one screen full of information. And there just wasn't anything I could reach out to um, and find support. So in a moment of madness, and I think I, madness with a capital M, I decided to create a forum and called it Only Dads, where other, ma other men could contact me, I suppose. Um, I remember the, the Daily Mirror, I think, picked up on this new forum for men called Only Dads and ran a, a very small piece on it. And the next week, we just started getting, I started getting on my sick leave in my living room, emails from men and women saying how they needed support or more commonly legal advice or free legal advice or counselling of some sort. Just what started to emerge was a, a picture that people really were out there not finding the support they needed. And how many messages were you getting at that time, Bob? In those days, we were we were getting four or five messages a day, but this this was sort of day one. Yeah, what wasn't happening. Was the forum which I'd set up wasn't working? The men who were contacting only dads, only dads did not want to chit chat through a forum. They wanted advice, and I just wasn't able to help really. So there was clearly, clearly a gap there in um, support for um, parents going through what you've been through, Bob. There, there, there is, and you just have to go on Twitter on any day and you'll see countless cases of men and women struggling through this process. Why, why do you think it's so hard for um, parents in your situation, in that type of situation, to find information? Um, we never talk about it. We never talk about separating. Mm. Couples don't talk about it. Um, I think for dads in particular, um, this belief 
that many men have that the whole system is biased, judges are biased, Kafkas are biased, even solicitors are biased against men, is a falsehood. It's just not right. Judges do not wake up in the morning and think, I'll tell you what I'm going to do over some dads today. They just don't think like that. And I think many men approach this, as I think I probably did, on the back foot, believing that things are against you. And if only dads has one job to do, it may be to counteract, counter that argument. Mm. Don't you think it's um, strange because couples, before they get married, often talk about their finances and they can often prepare for what will happen um, with their mm. finances in the event of a separation. But people don't ever seem to have those conversations about children. I never did. No, because never. it's something you never think that's going to happen. It's not a very romantic thing to bring <laughs> up while you're eating a Chinese takeaway, is it? No. Um, and, and these situations tend to, to, to start off, and, and they, they quite slowly conspire, can't they? I mean, before you know it, you're in a situation that maybe you can't recover from when the marriage is ending. I think that's absolutely right, Donna, and I think there's... There's something linked to that as well. I think people leave it too late before separating. Mm. So loving marriages can turn really quite sour before people separate. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I think, try and stay for the sake of the children. You sort of hear that quite that phrase quite a lot, don't you? You do. Mm. What, what it's not one I use. <laughs> what sort of common issues do you see facing dads, Bob? That's a very good question. Um, the, the issues we see at Only Dads are almost always around contact. And they fall into two camps. This is speaking very broadly for the sake of this um, podcast. I hope you don't mind that. There's the dads who are just struggling to see enough of their children, that contact breaks down, weekends are cancelled. We, we see that that is our bread and butter. The other cases we have, I'm not going to use the word more serious, they're, they're where dads are prevented from seeing their kids entirely for reasons of um, where they've been accused of domestic abuse um, and in some cases sexual abuse of their children. All are serious but those are of a different magnitude. And what do you as an organisation do to help dads in, in, well, in both of those situations, really? In, in both of those situations, um, our organisation has developed its family law panel. I, I think there's, there's nothing like an initial bit of professional advice. And um, we have, today, we have 200 individual solicitors 
couple of barristers, mediators around the country will have that first conversation. Now, nothing is going to change in that conversation apart from dads and mums may head off through this process in what I hope will be the right direction. So many dads get caught up with trying to do things themselves and then what may seem simple develops into a fairly complicated legal process and not all dads. I mean, I, I wouldn't have had a clue to begin with how, how you deal with that process. It, it, it does need some professional input, at least direction. So that's one of the things we, we offer. The other thing we do is we have an email exchange service, which is accessed through both um, both our websites, onlymums.org and onlydads.org. It's a free service. And what we'll try and do is help parents sh shape the actual question. So often there's a bit of toing and froing in what, what exactly are you asking advice for? Because many parents get into a complete um, quagmire of thoughts and worries. And so helping helping identify what the actual issue is, is, a, I think, a really valuable service. The books we've written about um, making it clear to your, your solicitor or your mediator what you want out of the process. Mm -hmm. is something not everyone is thinking of and it's it's sort of obvious when you say it but people do do need reminding to do of, of that mm -hmm. tell us about the book that you've produced yeah well, in, in 2019 we published or through through both publishing are 101 questions answered about separating with children. We've been running now for 12, 13 years. Over that time, we've collated <clears throat> literally thousands of emails, often asking the same questions. So what we did, we asked leaders in their field. So we've got judges, mediators, over a hundred solicitors, some of whom from the family law company, pleased to say, <clears throat> answering as best they as best they can in plain English their professional answer or advice to a specific question. And the trouble with editing that book, we started off. I mean, it's called 101 Questions. I think it ra runs now to 140 odd questions. We've had to delete some because they're just too many. The book already is an encyclopedia. I mean, it's a bit of a tome um, and it runs to 350 odd pages. We are, however, working on a second edition now, which will come out in October. So that's something that, um, again, providing a sort of rounded, up-to-date, accessible, plainly written resource for parents is something that, um, I mean, I didn't really write in it. I just edited it, but 
we were we're blessed with so many people willing to to write in, in publications like that. So it's a good resource for parents. And does this book include information on the pandemic, which we've recently gone through? Well, that, that's a book that we've just um, published. We've done a, a sort of COVID special, if you like, which is a, a slimmer volume, more accessible, um, priced under a tenor as well, which helps, and in digital and print version. Mm. And that deals um, with, with the questions that have arisen from day one of lockdown. So parents not being able to see their children because the other parent is using COVID as, in inverted commas, an excuse. Um, we deal with a, a whole chapter on domestic abuse. And one of the things we wanted to outline there for parents is the options that they have when faced with a domestic abuse situation at home. We've also got guidance from a psychiatrist on looking after the mental health of children. As a parent, one of the things I think we're all worried about at the moment is how COVID is going to impact on children, not just in separation, but in general. Yeah. It's a very yeah. negative, weighty thing that's landed on, uh, on society. Um, we've also got thank Devon and Cornwall Police for this. We've also got a, a, a really useful article in the book on what happens when you call the police in a domestic abuse situation. It was something that we're asked frequently and so hands up, I, I, I wasn't quite aware myself, I just didn't know. So um, yeah, that's that's a, another good resource. And that's, that was published um, last week. And how do people get a hold of these publications? At, at the moment, you can you can order print and um, an ebook version of it from from either onlymums.org or onlydads.org. With the one hundred and one questions, that bigger book we were talking about previously, that's also available from Amazon. And you just went to only only mums there. Could you mm. talk a little bit about only mums? Yeah, it goes back to those early days, um, Rachel. The the very first call um, email I took, we ended up in a phone call, was from a mum contacting only dads. And we still have more mums than dads contacting only dads. So it seemed logical to have two arms to our one organisation so Rebecca is a colleague who was introduced to me over 10 years ago now. And over that time, we've worked on developing our organization and trying to run a mum side and a dad side to it. But as one organization, I think that's really important to us. Bob, do you have any top tips for mums and dads about to um, separate or who are thinking about embarking on the, the court process? I, I do. Um, I have many tips. I'm, I'm going to give three. Thank you. May develop into four. 
if you're in court and you're a dad and you're listening to this, my bet is you have a genuine love for your children and you want to spend more time with them. When you're in court, make sure the judge understands that. So in everything you say and in everything you write, talk about your love for your children, not about your ex-partner. Mm. Some dad send me their um, C100s, it's a court form, to read. And I read so many that talk about their ex's handbag buying sprees and how she drops the children off at her mum's rather than look after herself. And I'm, I sort of sit, sit at my computer thinking, this dad has got it all wrong. It's not a, the court process is not going to judge the relationship, the marriage, and absolutely not judge your ex-partner. What the judge is looking for is your relationship with your children. And I just want to say a little bit more about that. If I'm thinking of real life cases now, if, if you're a dad and you take your children to Creeley Park and you have nicknames for the goats, tell the judge that. If you take them swimming and play shark attack and almost drown each other, tell the, tell the judge that. Nothing else. Just really try and concentrate on your relationship with the children. And there's a second element to that. Again, looking at court in general, the advice we give is tell the truth. And that can mean, should mean, does mean warts and all. In my experience, I've, I've done the odd bit of free Mackenzie work. I don't like doing it, but I have done the odd bit where dads are really too nervous to attend court by themselves. Yeah. My advice is always just tell tell the whole truth. I mean, it's a saying in criminal court, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the advantage of that, there's two advantages. This is all about a judge making a decision for your children. There's more likelihood of a judge making a correct decision for your children if they have the truth put in front of them. And secondly, it's deeply reassuring for anyone making a decision about your children if they can tell you're telling the truth. And I'm, old, I'm a bit old-fashioned in, in the sense that I, I do believe judges sort of know when things are being exaggerated and when outright lies are being told. Mm. It's much easier to stick to the truth. Yeah. There's a third thing, and this again is, is advice we have in, in our book, in the 101 questions, and we have it on the website. We've, we have a few articles on it. Look after your own mental health. Yeah. Yeah, because lots of clients we see, one of, one of the um, main issues they face is um, sleep deprivation. So they're up worrying yeah. 
And of course, yes. if you're not sleeping and then you're having to go to court or perhaps prepare to go to court yourself, um, when yeah. you're sleeping is really tough. We have the article on the website by a GP called Dylan Watkins, and he's put a checklist which GPs use themselves. And you can go down that list, and I encourage anyone listening to this worried about it, go and find that list on our website. And if you're answering more yeses than noes, go to the GP, your local GP, book an appointment immediately, because they are the gateway to specialist support services. Mm -hmm. We do have a marvellous NHS, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. They're really, really valuable tips. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add? No, I think I think that's that's enough to be getting on with. I mean, there, there are there there may be one more thing, and that is if you have children, make sure they're looked after for an hour or two after the end of court, because in my experience, people need a come down period. Yeah. Because adrenaline has been running, you might be nervous, you might be crying. Having someone care for your children for that extra hour or two will just help you relax through the whole process. Yeah, I think another thing to remember, and I've done it with clients at court, is to discuss at that final hearing who's going to tell the children what was ordered or what was agreed and, and how that's going to be relayed and whether it should be done together. That's a really good point, Donna. Mm. That's a really good point. And we need an article on that for our next book. <laughs> because that's something I think I think all parents, those of us who've been through it, I think we did it appallingly. I say that myself. Mm. And Bob, do you have any ideas on on how you think the court process could change to to improve things, having been through it yourself and having helped countless people through it over the years? Um, make it quicker. Yes. Um, your colleague Norman um, spoke at one of our annual Westminster Dialogues with accuracy and passion about the need for early triage. Mm. There was a room of 100 people, a committee room in the House of Commons listening to that, and everyone, everyone there was nodding in agreement, but we still don't seem to have it mm. in place. And it's a real frustration yes. <laughs> because mistakes can happen very early on in a in the process and it can take months and months to unravel so early triage um there's another thing i don't know whether solicitors have thought this i tweet about it every six months and no one listens I think organisations like ours and professionals working in the system should have a red button to press that stops the case in its tracks and a judge take a fresh look immediately. We, uh, we had an example. Um, locally at a, in Totnes, we, I'm part of a dad's group um, we had a dad come to us. This is about seven or eight years ago. He he presented his case to us. There are about six of us in the upstairs room of a pub. And he says that he's been accused of 
kicking his boy, his son, so hard, the boy ended up with a compound fracture in his leg. Mm. He was not allowed to see the children. There were three children. He was not allowed to see them. He was not allowed to, he'd been moved out of his the house he was living in. Um, social workers and police had said he's not to go back to the house. And he, he said to us, he just looked us all in the eye and said, none of this is true. It's not an ounce of this is true. I love my children. I don't know how you tell truth and lies. You, we all knew he was telling the truth. It would take some balls to go and present a complete fiction to a group of men who were there to support you. I won't go into the details of that case, other than to say that dad now lives with his three children and mum and her boyfriend are not, not around. Mm. And he was absolutely telling the truth. But the point I'm making is about my red button. He was already in the process when he came to us and it was going terribly wrong for him. And he wasn't getting anywhere. And I just wonder how many solicitors, CAFCAS officers, you, you name it, just have that feeling. I, I get it about twice a year, three times a year, with men who approach our organisation where I know they're just being bowled over and something's not right. And so you're asking me how to improve the court system. I just wonder whether there is a way the brakes can be put on certain some cases or the accelerator put down on others, I should say. Yeah. That's, that's not a plan. That's just, just what I'd like to see. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Um, it must be quite difficult for you, Bob, because, you know, all these people that you speak to and that you help, how do yeah. you protect yourself and look after your own um, well-being? Yeah, that's a good question. Everyone asks me that. Um, I have a brilliant colleague in Rebecca. We're surrounded um, on my day-to-day -day work by a, a whole team of professionals like you in the family law company who, like an extended corporate family in many ways, through our family law panel. Um, I have two amazing daughters. And through our dad's group, um, I am able to pick up the phone and offload the odd story to a dad um, who they've become friends in many ways. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't bear all this stuff myself. It certainly doesn't feel like that. And what would you say is the most rewarding part of your role? There's some real frustrations with my role. <laughs> um, I'll talk about the frustrations first. And again, your listeners will know this. If you get a really hostile ex-partner determined to create misery for you and your children, ultimately, there's not a lot you can do about it. You can go through the court process, but that parent will still be the mother or father of your child and there may not be easy solutions to whatever it is you're facing. And we all, I think from children, we want easy solutions. 
but sometimes in grown-up life they just aren't and that can be a real frustration so some families will leave the court and the hassle and the anxiety and the stress will continue for years afterwards i'll tell you a little story um again this is a true story um i don't know if any if any of you know totness we have long marsh it's a river walk down the dark yes um I saw a young girl, she must have been, I'm guessing, three or four, and she was on the shoulders of her dad, who was doing one of these ridiculous walks with her, where he was sort of taking really long strides and um, stooping down and making funny noises. And I saw all this, and this little girl on his shoulders was just having the time of her life. And um, I, I sort of know, know this dad because he came through our group when he wasn't seeing his daughter. And um, again, I, I didn't sort of say anything, just saw them walking away and a happy girl. And yeah, that meant a lot. Could you have a part to play in that? Yeah, it's nice to see. Um, and Bob, tell us what, what plans you've got for um, only dads and only mums going forward. More plans than we can do. That's another frustration. <laughs> um, there is a real gap in this area, gaps that need filling. Uh, mums and dads, there's not enough support. We're, we're a, a micro-organisation. I think there's there's projects that we're engaged in now. Some are in the foothills, some are progressing uh, more promisingly. There's there's issues around men's mental health. I think um, it has been identified in some research that men's mental health goes downhill post-separation. I think there's a project around that that we can do. Um, Rachel, you and I have had initial conversations around um, schools and the the weight they bear with family separation. I think there's more to be done around that area. Mm -hmm. All of this requires resource, financial resource often, which no one in the government seems keen on funding anything at the moment. I men I've mentioned our local dads group. I just want to to say a little bit about that because I would like to see those extended around the country. There's some basics to what I'm calling a dad's group. It has to be free. It should ideally meet on Mondays in the evenings. Weekends are when things go wrong. We had um, four rules, three golden rules in our dad's group. No bad mouthing the ex ever. We literally kicked people out if they did can't go doing that the mum of your child no campaigning no political campaigning of any type no we want shared access we want this we want that just leave it to one side this is about you as a dad and your children the third golden rule was no interrupting really important that men can tell their story without anyone interrupting or disturbing their train of thought and we had a fourth rule 
which we introduced once we'd be going for a year or two. And that was, um, don't go on anything longer than five minutes. <laughs> and some people can go on and on and on. And the magic that happens, I think, is to be found in the word group, not in an individual, it's in the group. That ability to talk to a group of men and share your fears and thoughts without interruption and have a group respond to you, there is something magic in it. And I, I cannot tell you how successful that group has been over the years just with those basic rules and making it free to attend how successful that group has been in helping dads form better longer lasting more meaningful more frequent relationships with their children and it's really great that dads can have somewhere like that to go isn't it where they're meeting other people in that same situation because men do often find it harder to talk to their friends about this or they may not know anyone who's gone through it there is and the no campaigning thing donna for us was really important yeah because it's quite easy for men to start arriving in a group like that who start shouting for 50 50 parenting or this that the other and all of a sudden that core that that love bond between dad and child that's not what is being spoken about and it's that that's important yeah and i meet i meet a lot of dads who quite often um their family members um may not wish to i don't think not support them is the right way but but they will still be friendly with the mother because they want to continue on in their relationship with the child Yes. So it's really great that, you know, these dads have got somewhere they can go and have that support. I made a slide earlier about um, it being dads only. We did have, um, I think it's important, just on this occasion, I know we do only mums and only dads, and we're all about equality, but there is something in this area. Men may find it, some men especially may find it easier just to talk to other men and not have um, not have women there. We'll probably get hounded now for being sexist. I hope not. No, it's just about providing that safe space, isn't it, for the users? Bob, you talked about um, a second edition of the 101 book. What, what sort yeah. of um, additional things do you sort of think that you'll cover in that? So, some of it will be a refresh on what we've already got, so updates as and when required. Um, there are just some other key questions which got missed out of the first edition, which we've been asked subsequently, and it's like, mm, we, you know, you have to to listen to what people are asking you. Yeah. Things like um, an example, changing surnames is an issue which comes up all the time. So mum meets, this is a one example, mum meets new man, wants the children to have his surname and the dad is phoning us saying i've not only lost my kids they're now not even going to be called after me mm. so again more advice around that area is something that should have been in the first edition hands up it should have been in the first edition but we'll put that into the second okay well, just say, there are so many questions aren't there that people have there are mm. As I say, the book could go on and on 
And Bob, can you just remind us how people can get in touch with you? Yeah, the the two websites we run, um, onlymums.org and onlydads.org. We have a, a short form to fill in if you want to make contact with us. It just helps parents shape their question. We can't take whole cases on when we're not qualified, or skilled or able to do that. But um, we are, I hope, a useful resource in offering that initial bit of direction. Well, thank you, Bob. Um, it's been really informative. Um, I think, you know, you've spoken from the heart as well for your own personal experience. So thank you very, very much for your time today um, and for speaking to our listeners. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And um, can I just say to um, our friends at the Family Law Company, you you have been long-term supporters um, of our organisation, Only Mums and Only Dads, and it really is appreciated.